At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition. Hornets finally back home. They'll host the Indiana Pacers tonight. We've got your game preview. We're also going to talk power rankings and a milestone met by the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, Steve Clifford. We're talking about all these things with my producer on the Hornets Radio Network as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, back with us again. Rob, good to see you in person. Felt like we were on the road forever there. Ends up being a positive trip with the Hornets ending on a high note with the win over the Orlando Magic. And now trying for something new this season, a win streak. That certainly would be something, wouldn't it be, if the Hornets were able to pick up a win tonight? But happy to see you as well. And now time to get angry with the power ring. (laughs) We are going to go straight to it. Hornets uh, have not always gotten the fairest of shakes, in our opinion, when it comes to power rankings. This season, you can kind of understand why, obviously, the team to this point has not had back-to-back wins. They were 2-1 and way back when, after the win over Atlanta. But for the most part, injuries have been the major storyline. In our opinions, we think that the power rankings have been a bit unfair because injuries have have so much overwhelmed the team but on the other hand you can't really fault anyone for saying this is how Charlotte would stack up because power rankings aren't about what you're supposed to be or what you could be it's about what you are with the team you have in the moment and uh, it's not their fault that you're hurt but it's also not their responsibility to take that too much into account that said we're going to analyze some power rankings here the athletic one of the sites that we tend to look at they have ranked the NBA hierarchy 1 through 30 
prior to Monday's victory, I must add. So this is prior to that Orlando game that these ones came out. But in your opinion, Rob Longo, in the hierarchy of the 30 NBA teams, where do you think Charlotte should be? Well, with the win on Monday, it certainly changes things, obviously, but we can't preface it with that, or I can't preface it with that. We just can't take that into account. So with that said... It is an eight-game losing streak. It is what it is. So I would put Charlotte, before the Magic win on Monday, I would put Charlotte right around maybe 26th in the power rankings. 26, all right. Well, the Athletics said 24. You aimed too low that time. That's a first. It said 24th, which is where they had them the week before. And so that means you have to take one of the teams behind the Hornets and put them up. Now, I'll be honest here. I thought... Either direction would have been difficult, uh, not not the easiest of choices. For instance, if you had said 22 instead of 26, your choices of teams that the Hornets would be leapfrogging was Golden State, Minnesota, and Brooklyn. None of which tough. are easy decisions. I don't think any of these are, are easy either. You have to give me a team that's rated below the Hornets and put them above Charlotte. Your choices are the Oklahoma City Thunder, who at the time of our recording here on this podcast uh, are a somewhat surprising six and eight. Surprising because a lot of people thought after Chet Holmgren's injury, maybe they would uh, be in tank mode to try and be at the top of the lottery odds once again so far. Uh, even though they're not in a playoff or play-in position at the moment, they're not far off of one either. Other options, the Orlando Magic, whom the Hornets have split with so far this season and have also been dealing with a lot of injuries. And last but not least... The San Antonio Spurs, who are also 6-8, and eight, but obviously the Hornets have the win over them. Now remember, these teams you have to put ahead of the Hornets, not behind. Who's the pick? Who should be leapfrogging Buzz City? Honestly, Oklahoma City. The Thunder have been pretty surprising this year. I know they sit at 6-8 and eight now as we record this podcast, but they went down to the wire with Boston the other night, and the Celtics, I think, only pulled out as a single-digit win. It might have been by about five points, and OKC was leading that one on the road at one point, so... If I had to pick one team, I would say the Thunder just because, again, they're a little bit of a surprise. They got a lot of young talent, obviously, on that team. A lot of people, obviously, you know, thinking with Sam Presti as the head of the snake there, thinking that they would be one of those teams that would try to lose a couple extra games to win that Victor Wembiana sweepstakes, at least. But they haven't been looking like that right now. I mean, SGA's been looking really good as well. If he can stay healthy, the Thunder could be a team that maybe kind of compete for a play-in tournament spot. I don't think that they will just because of the way that they're constructed and the way that they have thought about this process for the last couple of years with all of the draft picks they've been able to accumulate. But at the end of the day, right now, as it stands, I would put the Thunder ahead of the Hornets just because of that. Can't really argue with it, mostly because I wouldn't want to argue that Orlando should be leapfrogging Charlotte after the performance we just saw from the Hornets. And also, even though it's it's kind of far back in the rearview mirror, San Antonio, the other team Charlotte has a wire-to-wire win against. And, you know, as you look at the state of play right now, Right now, back then, Hornets were with two stars, not three, so waiting for that to happen, but they had Terry Rozier, they had Gordon Hayward for that game. Right now, present day, Hornets have two stars once again, so I would think moving forward, Charlotte should be on level footing with at least where they were opening night, and that was good enough to blow out the San Antonio Spurs. So I'm with you, seeing as it's the only team we don't have a head-to-head example of, and Oklahoma City is 
for the most part, held their own on the schedule that they played thus far. I would agree with you. Oklahoma City is the only one I would logically put ahead of the Hornets, even though I don't think the Thunder are a better team than Charlotte. No, but when these power rankings came out, they certainly had more wins than Charlotte, and the Hornets were on an eight-game losing streak, and I would not put the Magic up there because... Orlando is kind of regressing in a sense where you look at what they've had to deal with injury-wise with guys like Cole Anthony being out and Paulo Bencaro's been out the last couple of games now too. So I cannot put Orlando ahead of the Hornets either. So the only one logically that makes sense to me is the Thunder. Lastly, before we move on here from power rankings, I thought it was interesting how the Athletic talked about Charlotte because I, I preface this, I don't think that people who do power rankings need to account for injuries. In fact, they probably shouldn't. You should take the reality of a team when and where they are. And so I think the Athletic was more than fair to the Hornets putting them at 24 because they do seem to account for injuries. They they chalked the loss to Orlando earlier this year as a bad loss, even though they recognized that LaMelo didn't play in that one. Terry didn't play in that one. When they looked at the team overall, they said, okay, you know, Charlotte's been missing players this entire time. They've lost eight straight. There's no excuse for that, but there kind of is because LaMelo Ball missed seven of the eight. And after seeing just two games worth of sample size of what LaMelo does to the Hornets offense, the pace of play increase, the scoring increase, the quality of shot for everyone on the floor increasing it just makes you excited and you recognize that Lamelo is not playing his best basketball just yet why would he be he's two games in off of an ankle sprain that's a long time to be off the floor he's just getting back up to speed we know he's going to shoot better than 20 to 25 percent from three as the season wears on but already the early return on investment of his time on the floor it's paying dividends team one and one since he's gotten back out there we can only hope Gordon Hayward's return is imminent as well and once all three stars are on the floor then I think it's really fair to start grading what the Hornets could be long term but short term I thought the athletic was more than fair coming up next a milestone met by Hornets head coach Steve Clifford we'll talk about that next here on the Hornets I've cast I'm not anti-aging. I'm pro-looking my best. Getting cosmetic surgery at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates has me looking young again and filled with the confidence I need to take on the day. From Botox to rhinoplasty to facelifts, Senta offers facial plastic surgery from specially trained eye and ENT doctors who are familiar with how all parts of the face work. Feel like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. It just makes sense. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Hornets get a big win the other day over the Orlando Magic. Puts them at 4-11. and Keeps them out of the basement in the Eastern Conference. But also at long last, we finally have seen a milestone met by Hornets head coach Steve Clifford. We were sitting on this one for a long time, two weeks. Steve Clifford was at 199 career wins as head coach of a Charlotte franchise, either Bobcats or Hornets. Well, after Monday's victory, he has finally crossed the threshold to 200 career wins. Milestone met. We always like round numbers. They make it fun for us to go through the history books, and this was an opportunity for us to do it with Coach Clifford. I like round numbers, first off, because I am not a math minor like you are, but what Steve Clifford has been able to accomplish has been rather remarkable. I mean, he's only seven wins away from Alan Bristow, who has the all-time franchise record for the Hornets in terms of total wins. And when you account the other wins that Coach Cliff got in Orlando, that's 96 of them. He already ranks 76th all time when it comes to coaching wins. 
the coaching profession, especially in basketball, is not a very long-term thing. There's a lot of rotation. It's not quite as bad as maybe some head coaches when it comes to hockey, where I swear some of those guys get passed around more than an offering plate at church. But the way that the coaching carousel works in the NBA, it's not far behind. I mean, obviously you got the guys all the way at the top, like Greg Popovich, who has the most wins all time at 1,350. Got Don Nelson, Lenny Wilkins, Jerry Sloan, Pat Riley. That's your top five right there. George Carl doesn't even crack the top five. So it's a lot of longevity in this business to get to that mountaintop. So the fact that we're putting this into perspective where Steve Clifford is already 76th all time and he's only a handful of wins from career number 300 in total, that would put him in the top 75 of all time. And of course, there's some guys that are ahead of him and behind him that are also active coaches like Jason Kidd's on that list, Tyron Lou, Nick Nurse, some of those guys that are active still. But it's still going to be one of those things where he just continues to climb and climb and climb. When you kind of put it into perspective that way, it's really remarkable what he's been able to accomplish, especially here in Charlotte. A couple of things that impressed me most. One, he tends to have a, a significant immediate impact on the teams he takes over. You look at his coaching resume, he takes over Charlotte 2013-14 season. Immediately, they become a playoff team where the season before, they were 40 games below 500. They were buried. Now, other people arrived at the same time, namely Al Jefferson. But still, you know, he's there, a franchise that had been lost somewhat prior to him arriving in terms of getting into the postseason, and immediately they did. He goes to Orlando 2018-19, immediately back-to-back playoff years. So, you know, that's a track record for success that you like. Also recognize that it took time to ramp up in each of those two playoff seasons. It wasn't they were above 500 month one and remained there the rest of the way. They actually were below 500 until the calendar turned to the new year, and then the team started to get hot towards the season's end and make that run towards the postseason. So, I love the fact that his first year in his previous Two stops, Charlotte and Orlando. Team finished above 500. That's usually a recipe for postseason success. The other thing that you touched on was the 300-win mark, which he is closing in on. He'll be the 75th head coach in NBA history to reach 300 wins. It feels like in you know that long amount of time for the coaching profession to exist in the NBA, that's just not a lot of names that have reached 300 wins. There's a lot of significant coaches that don't get there. Some, they just haven't been there very long. Uh, think of guys like P.J. Carlissimo, great coach on so many different levels of the game, didn't get to 300 wins in his coaching career. Coach nine seasons, which this is season nine right now for head coach Steve Clifford. There's a lot of big names in the coaching profession that never quite reached that moment. Longevity has a ton to do with it. I think in several professions around the game, but coaching more than most, longevity is a sign of how good you are because you don't stick with jobs. You don't get other jobs unless you have a track record for success. And Coach Clifford absolutely has had one. It's why he has been able to earn multiple opportunities to coach. And he has told us frequently that this team, in terms of offensive talent, is the best one he's had. So hopefully the 400-win plateau is somewhere in his future here in the Queen City. When you take a look at other coaches, just to compare among active guys that have a similar longevity, a similar length of career to Steve Clifford, you have guys like Mike Brown, who is in his ninth season. He has 353 wins currently, but you got to remember he took Cleveland to the final, so he's had a, a couple of extra postseason rounds to rack up a couple of extra wins. Monty Williams is in his ninth season at the helm. He has 330 wins, took Phoenix to the finals. A couple of extra wins in there as well. Billy Donovan is in his eighth season, and he has 326 wins, so a little bit of a shorter time frame to pick up that many wins, but again, Steve Clifford is not far behind some of those guys when you take a look at it, because at the end of the day, the talent level that 
Steve Clifford has had to coach compared to other guys like Mike Brown. I mean, Mike Brown got to coach LeBron James. Steve Clifford is, gets to coach LaMelo Ball, but LaMelo Ball is this still is very young in his of, career. First year and it's of also the too. first year of LaMelo Ball. So and, and I'm just comparing not quite apples to oranges, but pretty similar. No, it's fair. And, and the determiner of how many wins you get as a franchise, as a coach, it's always going to be based first and foremost on what kind of talent do you have out there on the floor. If you're taking over a team that's got LeBron James or the, the Lakers or Celtics in their heyday, of course you're going to win. And judging a coach when you've got that kind of squad is based on are you making the playoffs and making a, a deep run in them, not how many wins do you get in the regular season. It's kind of assume those players are going to earn you that many. And again, the franchises that Coach Clifford took over the year prior, didn't make the playoffs, the year he takes over, they immediately do. So hopefully that is the recipe that the Hornets are going to be following here this season. They're 4-11 and right now, but hoping to get to 5-11 and tonight. Hornets are going to be hosting the Indiana Pacers, a whopping one-game homestand in the midst of a 5-out of 6 on the road. At least there's some space between the games. Charlotte should be somewhat rested for this one tonight against the Pacers. We'll give you our preview when we return here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, it's time to get some new gear. The best selection of new and classic Hornets apparel is at the Hornets Fan Shop, now with new extended hours. Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on this edition of the HHC. All right, Rob, we talked power rankings Hornets were actually a little bit higher than you thought they might have been. Congrats to the Athletic for uh, giving the Hornets their due and taking into consideration the injuries. We talked about Coach Clifford reaching 200 career wins as a head coach in Charlotte. Career win overall number 300 not far away. And the Hornets have a chance to climb a little closer as they host the Indiana Pacers tonight. Pacers, an interesting squad. They've got a really talented young rookie in Benedict Matherin, who's been very impressive so far. They've got kind of this Utah Jazz style of, of, of a hodgepodge of players, guys who have had success other places and have not really had an opportunity to gel together in Indianapolis, but are starting to now, and the return on investment can't say it's all that bad. They're 6-6, six and six, a 500 record. They've hit a bit of a hot streak here. Winners of three of their last four, five of their last seven, and tonight on two nights rest, I might add, they will take on the Charlotte Hornets. So, as we preview this one, Rob, we need players to watch for both teams as well as a statistic to watch. You are the guest. You get to go first. Let's mix it up a little bit. I'm going to go stat the watch to start things off, and I'm going to take a look at pace. The Pacers really like to get up and down the floor. They're third in the NBA in pace. Charlotte, because of this losing streak, because of not having LaMelo Ball push to tempo, they are currently 17th in pace. So one of the things that was very successful for the Hornets in Orlando on Monday was getting out in transition, getting those fast break opportunities. A lot of that came off of live ball turnovers, of course, because the team had a season-high 15 steals up until this point. Also had seven blocks as well, so because you're getting deflections, because the ball's going the other way, you're going to get a lot more fast-break opportunities. So I think that's going to be something that the Hornets have to watch on the other side as well because Orlando was not able to get out in transition. So I guess is to be all-encompassing, not to try to take every single stat here to look at, but if the Hornets are able to take care of the ball, that's obviously going to slow the game down a little bit, limit those fast-break opportunities. The pace is going to be really important. I think with LaMelo Ball coming back, that pace is obviously going to increase. I don't think it's going to increase from 17th all the way up to 3rd, like where Indiana is right now, but it's something to take a look at in tonight's game. 
there's two stats for the Hornets that I think right now, this stage of the season, are most misleading. But the stats are what they are. One is the one you mentioned, which is pace. Not having LaMelo Ball on the floor significantly slowed things down, and not even intentionally. I don't think this was a situation where the Hornets were like, let's play slow because we don't have LaMelo out there and we need to take possessions out of the game. It's just LaMelo accelerates things so much that everything is slower in comparison. So that one, I I agree with you, pace is important. Indiana does like to play up-tempo, but I think Charlotte easily catches up to the pace. That's kind of like a buyer beware situation for the Pacers. You really want to run with LaMelo Ball? Good luck. Hornets will take that each and every day. The other most misleading stat out there right now for the Charlotte Hornets is everything surrounding the three-point shot. In attempts per game, Hornets are middle of the pack, and that's going to start to climb as they get more and more of their players back. But in terms of percentage of points scored from the three, Indiana is number one right now. They're close to 40% of their offense coming from the three-point line. Charlotte is in the bottom quarter, bottom third at least, at closer to 30% of their offense. In terms of three-point percentage, Indiana has been red hot. They're in the top five of the NBA. Hornets are second from the bottom as we record this, 32% from three. And again, LaMelo Ball has a huge impact, not just because he as a good three-point shooter was not there on the floor for the majority of the season, but because his his speed, his impact on the game opens up better looking shots for other players. We saw it the other day in Orlando. Even though Charlotte didn't shoot well, they were shooting open a lot from three. So the fact they didn't knock it down, chalk it up to a bad shooting night. Maybe the Hornets are, are allergic to Orlando. I don't know. They've had two not great shooting nights from three in the Magic Kingdom on the season. They don't have to go back there again till at minimum the playoffs. So I don't think that the three-point shooting is really indicative of what kind of shooting team Charlotte is. I think it's just a reality of who was hurt, what impact it had on the team, and maybe just an an off start. But I think those numbers are going to climb. So in the stat you pointed out, buyer beware for the Pacers. You want to get into an up-and-down competition with LaMelo Ball. Charlotte should be okay with that. And simultaneously, even though the Pacers have good shooters, Buddy Heald is a fantastic shooter. Tyrese Halliburton has improved over the course of his career. He's having a really strong year. Benedict Mathurin has come out flying as a rookie. He's shooting the ball very well. And you've got other guys like Chris Duarte who can knock it down. But I think from Charlotte's perspective, we don't know everyone who's going to be on the floor tonight, but Terry Rozier's there, LaMelo Ball's there, Kelly Oubre's there. Those are three players who were both with top 10 seasons in Hornets franchise history for total made threes a season ago. I like a shooting competition where the Hornets have those three on their side. Yeah, I can't argue that at all. I mean, I think that the pace thing, again, it's something that is just worth noting. And with LaMelo Ball, it's going to climb. But again, it's only going to be LaMelo's third game back. So how much on pace, how much up-tempo is Charlotte going to really be? So that's the reason why I picked that stat. In terms of where we want to go next, let's go with Pacer to watch. You mentioned him. I love this guy, Benedict Matherin. He's been so good coming out the gates. Has there ever been a player that has won rookie of the year and six man of the year at the same time? Because he's making a case for it. He only scored in single digits once this year so far. He's been really, really good, averaging almost 20 points per game. The field goal percentage is around 56%. He takes high percent shots. I think he's just really good. And the fact that, you know, obviously when you look at a guy that's a rookie that's scoring so much coming off the bench, your your first instinct is, let's throw him in the starting lineup and see what he can do. That doesn't need to be the case with Indiana, with the shooters that they have in the starting five, like Buddy Heald, like Chris Duarte. Those guys can light it up too, especially if they get hot from beyond the arc. So Matherin doesn't need to be in the starting lineup 
and again, I'll preface this by saying I know Paula Bancaro's been the darling, the number one overall pick this year. Chet Holmgren, unfortunately, missing the entire season. So the rookie of the year pool is a little bit thinner than it normally would be, I suppose. But Paula Bancaro's been missing time. Benedict Matherin has not. So far, I know it's early. I know it's only a handful of games so far this season. But Matherin should certainly be in the conversation for rookie of the year because of the what he's been able to do coming off the bench for Pacers. So that's why he's my player to watch tonight. Can't argue with the pick. He's had a very good start to his rookie campaign. My pick's going to be Buddy Heald. You know, I, sometimes you look at a player and say, what? who's the driver of that team? Who's their leading scorer night in, night out? Sometimes you can look a little deeper into the box score and you find trends that pretty clearly lay out the recipe for success for a squad when it comes to a certain player. And with Buddy Heald, it's pretty clear. This guy's a shooter. He always has been. He's one of the great volume shooters in the NBA, and he's having a really good start to his season, above 40% from beyond the arc. Pretty simple for Indiana. They played 12 games, which I might add, just for the schedulers out there who are, who are tuned in, I know they're always listening here to the Hornets Hivecast, Charlotte's played 15 games to this point. Indiana has played 12. So there's a lot more natural rest put into the schedule for the Pacers than there has been for the Hornets. Also, despite playing three fewer games than Charlotte, Pacers have played already seven home games. Tonight will be the seventh for Charlotte. So the schedule was not all that kind, plus the injuries on top of it may be an explanation of why the Pacers right now are a 500 team and the Hornets are 4-11. and 11. Although I would say the injuries have a lot more to do with it than the schedule. All that being said, 12 games played by the Pacers so far this year. Buddy Heald has played in all of them. If he makes five or more threes, they are 5-1. and one. If he makes fewer than five threes, they are 1-5. Some of that is what kind of shooting night is Buddy Heald having because he is someone who can make shots even when covered pretty well, but he's certainly going to be a priority for the Hornets, and that's why he is my player to watch. Last but not least, we need a Hornet to watch. It's kind of hard to go against Mason Plumley and what he was able to do on Monday against Orlando. I mean, the guy was just almost unstoppable. Eight for nine from the field, hit both of his free throws, 10 rebounds, two assists, and three steals and a block in there as well for 18 points. He looked really good against an Orlando Magic team that is young, but they also have a lot of length, and he was able to really kind of dominate the paint in that game. On the other side, you got a guy like Miles Turner. The problem with Miles Turner this year, though, is he fouls a lot. When you take a look at what he's done over the last couple of games, four fouls in Saturday's win against Toronto, going back to a game against Denver, he had five. He had four in the two previous games as well. There was only one game where he really wasn't in foul trouble where he had two. So if Mason Plumlee, being the savvy veteran that he is, can you know have a head fake or two in there in the paint, get Miles Turner in the air, send him to the bench early, that would be a big help. I understand that they got a guy like Goga Batazzi waiting in the wings as the backup center, and they even got Daniel Dice as well, who can provide you with a couple of minutes also at the center position. But Mason Plumlee... Going against Miles Turner, kind of a matchup inside the matchup a little bit, but the way that Mason played on Monday, which is arguably one of the best games that he's had in a Hornets uniform through his first year plus here in the Queen City, I got to go with Mason Plumlee as my guy to watch. I like the pick. Mason Plumlee, one of several Hornets who had really strong games the other day against Orlando. He ended up being the leading scorer with 18 points, leading rebounder with 10 boards. For him, it was a low assist game with only two helpers, but he felt he had the, the better of the matchup against the Magic big men, more experienced. It was clearly that Mason Plumley was the class of the centers out there on the floor, and he made it stick. He was 
18 points, 10 rebounds for another double-double, and he was a plus 10 in the plus-minus, one of the top performers for Charlotte. However, he wasn't best in the plus-minus. That honor went to Terry Rozier, who is my player to watch. Terry is a guy who we, we often think of him as a scorer first and everything else second, but it's telling on a night where he goes one for eight from three that he's still able to get to 17 points, be the number two score on the squad for the Charlotte Hornets, and he's able to execute on the interior, even though he's one of the smaller guys. And that rebound putback he had late in the win against Orlando really just demonstrates the the heart that he brings to each and every game. He's sandwiched between two guys that are 6'10 or taller. He wins the rebound, banks it back in, extended the Hornets' lead, and really put the game away for good. So Terry Rozier, I don't think he's really gotten going just yet. He is averaging a career high in 21.3 points per game, but he's shooting a close-to-career low from three at 33.3%. That's going to get better with LaMelo Ball out there. Things are going to open up for him more. He can play off the ball, get to his spots, catch and shoot three opportunities. Should be much more plentiful here for him in the you know near-term future. But I think he's he's primed and ready for some big games. And also, since we highlighted Buddy Heald and Benedict Matherin on the other side, Tyrese Halberton is over there. Even though they've got Miles Turner, who some would argue is their best player still at this point, A lot of the talent outside of him comes at the guard spot. So there's going to be some tough covers. Terry Rozier is as good a defender as any that the Hornets have available to them for sure tonight. Dennis Smith Jr. is up there on that list right now as well. But for a lot of reasons, Terry Rozier, my player to watch for this one. Can't argue with it. The guard position for Indiana is just really strong. Even a guy like TJ McConnell, who can come in and swipe a ton of steals for you off the bench too, is is a really remarkable player for them. So the depth at guard for Indiana is their strength. The center position could have some weaknesses in there, depending on what happens with Miles Turner and that foul trouble that I talked about. But overall, this Pacers team is one that's, I would call them sneaky good. I would say that they are flying under the radar so far and they're playing 500 ball and they could they could wreak some havoc if they stay healthy. Most important thing for me about this matchup, I don't really care who the Hornets are playing right now. I think it's too early in the season to really drill down too much. Now, obviously, there are some matchups if you're playing a completely healthy Milwaukee or Boston or teams like that that have championship aspirations and expectations. Yes, the opponent matters. If you're on night two of a back-to-back or your opponent is, that matters. But for the most part, if all things are relatively equal... I just like the way Charlotte is looking offensively. I like the fact that they're getting healthier. And it wouldn't matter to me so much if the Hornets were playing Atlanta or Cleveland or Indiana or Detroit. It doesn't matter. It's about the Hornets getting on the floor and just focusing on themselves right now. Let the opposition focus on them. There's going to be different little pieces of minutia in the scouting report, of course. I'm not discounting that. But I just think opponent doesn't matter so much for the Hornets. It's about how well are they playing. And their play is improving now with LaMelo Ball back out there on the floor. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Tomorrow we'll be breaking down the Hornets' lone home game for a, a fortnight period, or for about a two-week period here. Uh, but hopefully Charlotte can get the W, and we'll have a, another winning edition of the H. HC for you tomorrow. Rob Longo, thanks as always for joining us. Thanks, Sam. Pleasure as always. We'll talk to you on the broadcast tonight. Looking forward to it. Tickets are available at Hornets.com if you've caught this podcast early enough. And if not, plenty more home games on the horizon. After all, Charlotte has been road warriors so far this season. Tonight is just home game number seven, meaning 34 remain on the slate. Go to Hornets.com for all your ticket information. For Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. 
Brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.